0: Welcome to Soul Inspired Leadership's latest podcast and today our special guest is Susan Hamilton-Meyer. Now Susan began her career in strategy at the Boston Consulting Group and I know them well uh, where she became fascinated by the deep personal relationship brands can forge with their customers. So for over 20 years she has been helped, she's helped build the world's Leading brands with corporate clients like PepsiCo, Unilever, Whirlpool, Samsung, Novitas, Aetna, and WebMD. And, that, and she's also very creative. As a visual artist, she explores the interplay of strategy and chance. Her work is in private collection of such and Saatchi, and has been exibis- exhibited at the American Museum of Natural History and the Muse- Museum of Modern Art. Susan holds a BA in art history from Dartmouth and an MBA from Harvard. She lives in New York City with her husband and their three children. Welcome, Susan.
1: Thank you,
0: thank you for having me. Yeah, so look, we've been talking prior to the show and we're talking about the effect leadership has on a company's brand. So tell me more about that.
1: Well, I think that branding requires leadership is the first part of that answer, right? So you can start a company and you can create products and they can be very, very good and you can have success, but the brand is can be sort of nebulous or inconsistent. And it really requires a sort of top-down perspective to say, hang on a second, as we create new things and put them out into the world and find markets for them we also need to think about what ties those things together what ties us together as a team what we stand for in the world and think about that through think through that lens as we do product development as we do messaging and communication so that the people on the other end of our product or service have a clear understanding of who we are
0: Yeah, and I mean you can add on that uh, in in a sense that the brand reflects the people, and the people reflect the leadership. So if it's poor leadership, people are basically disengaged for want of a better word, which means the brand becomes dysfunctional because no one's living it. Is that is that how you see it? That's really accurate. Yeah. Okay. So, and and I I guess given your experience. Um, with some of these leading brands then you can equate the fact that the leadership lived the brand. Is that how you're saying it? Or
1: In the best of cases, yes. In the best
0: of cases. Well I wasn't going to say I, it was in all cases, right?
1: <laughs> you know I think the challenge for larger companies is that there are multiple stakeholders and multiple brands. You know as soon as you're a large corporation you already have a corporate brand
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and then you have these really significant branded not just products but whole brands that sit you know that are families of products underneath that corporate brand so there are a lot of things to align right if you imagine a, a small company that has one or two products you know let's say i make popcorn and i have you know fun pop is my brand yeah Already there are challenges as I put that out into the world to figure out who I am and how I consistently message who I am and who I serve. But imagine that times, you know, now I have 50 of those fun pop brands or f- fun pop products yeah, underneath yeah. the fun pop brand. Yeah. And then I have a hundred other food brands underneath a corporate brand. And so at the same time, each of those brands need to be distinctive. They need to have a different personality, a different role in the marketplace. And yet they also have to have something that ties them together underneath that corporate brand. So that's a more complex challenge. And also when you're dealing with more human beings, right? You just, the alignment factor is more challenging because people have different perspectives on why are we doing what we do where do we want to go from here? And they may all be valid perspectives, or many of them are valid perspectives yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so that's often the challenge in, in my work with larger companies is bringing the team together to align on a direction and giving them the data to do that. And usually in my work, that data comes from you know talking to customers and hearing what their thoughts yeah, are.
0: Yeah. So there are lots of. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is like a two. It's a twofold. Uh, two-fold exercise you have leadership you have employees which form the corporate brand then you have product brands product and service brands and the product service brands have to be congruent with the corporate brand to a point yeah uh, well I guess fully congruent all the way down the line to be real well and truly successful but because of there is a line this is where things can be broken so you can have moderately successful brands and services um, if the, the brand corporate brand wasn't quite congruent um, or vice versa, I, I, I'd imagine is what you're saying.
1: That's right. You know, I mean, I think the point is that the larger the company is, the more layers to yeah. the branding you have yeah. and the more challenging, you know, the challenge of leadership is. But even for a very small company, I think back to your point, The leadership is what sets the tone for what the brand is. And from my perspective, the brand is what sets the tone for what the products and services will be and how that company will act in the world and how that company will profit in the world. So even for a very small company, the role of leadership is, is extremely important.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, so what, so really, the, like the smaller the company, the more critical it is because there'd be a less, less layer, so that it's more direct from the leadership to the product, if there's not many yeah. layers, uh, so it's just a, a small company, 50 employees, for example, that would be, a criti- people would be, would be closer to the leadership, uh, which meant they yeah. would then reflect, the, the leadership would reflect interesting- the brand.
1: That's right. And the other interesting thing with a small to mid-sized company is that the brand is really still a, of that company's original DNA, right? Maybe you're not so many years out from the founding of the company, maybe you still yeah. have a lot of members of the founding team of the company, which of course is not true if you're talking about a 200 year old company, but for yeah. you know, yeah. a smaller company that's been founded yeah. in the last 20 years, And so then, that is another layer to kind of how leadership impacts the brand, because it's not just you know a leader comes and sets direction, but it's almost the brand is a reflection of that leader's personality and values, or that set of leaders. Um, So it's It's very personal.
0: Yeah, Yeah. uh, personal. So it's more of an emotional attachment. If um, they they were the original contributors or the uh, the development developer of the brand. And that's how I started the business. And and that can be, I can see that being a very positive aspect, but I can also see totally reverse. That could be a horribly limiting factor to the company growing. So what's your experience sometimes there?
1: Sometimes. I, I haven't really found it to be a negative mm-hmm. in and of itself. I think where it can be challenging is when the... Future of the brand sort of quickly gets away from the roots of the founder, uh, you know, values as they grow. Um, But generally those, you know, founders of companies are passionate people and they're genuinely, they genuinely care about what they're doing. And so the brand DNA that they create is usually really positive and, and not limiting. It's more that. How do we capture it and pass it along as we grow is what well. be really
0: yeah. challenging. Okay. I understand. And it's probably also growing out of that brand, other brands, or whether the brand needs adjustment, for example. That would probably be more of a limiting factor if the brand needed some sort of yeah, adjustment is probably the word. I can't think of another word. Where someone who holds yeah, on to the brand sees it as perfect, but yet... The consultant saying, "Well, the brand needs some changes. Like yeah. I can see that happening a bit."
1: Yeah. So when you when it when you want to do a brand refresh or a brand renovation, yeah. some of the terminology that typically get thrown around for those situation you're describing, um, yeah, that can be tricky, and that can especially be tricky to your point about with a founder run company. Mm. But even with a you know a large company. There's a lot of heart and and emotion and, um, uh, you know, traction in the history of a brand, both yeah. in, internally in the team yeah, and also among brand loyalists. And so to evolve, which... You know, at some point, every brand has to evolve. You refresh their, your logo because you don't want it to look like 1995 in there. You know, you, you innovate and you create new products. Every company has to do that. Um, but it can, be, it can be challenging to, you know, in some ways, walk away from the past. And there's always a fear of, are we alienating those people who love us? Uh, will yeah. we erode our brand awareness or brand recognition if we change our color or our logo or, or what have you? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, I understand. Actually, it was in my uh, former, former corporate life, I can remember uh, working with a uh, company and the, <coughs> the CEO, had we used to say, he used to have his pet dog. And that was, that was the product that made no profit whatsoever that he had a lot to do with when he was younger, that he won fame on in a sense. Now he's, now he's gone to cv that product doesn't go. We build other products around it. We did have, that was just known as his pet dog. That's probably the cleanest way I could say it, but that was basically it. <laughs> but, oh, that's, that's, yeah, so-and-so's pet, that'd be right. We just leave it there, right? We feed it every now and again, and it just, just lies there and sleeps, right? <laughs> But anyway, that's, that's there again. a great it's,
1: expression it's, for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Pet dog. <laughs> so, but yeah, that brings that's. I haven't thought of that that particular instance for about thirty years. That shows how old I am. But like, I can remember we used to say that one of my former employers. Anyway, but look, look, it's it, it. Um, just getting back to the how people live the brand. Um, what are your thoughts? The best way, uh, like what. Um, the best influences that people can have on the brand? For example, what are the best sort of uh, behaviors? Or, yeah, it's probably, it's hard to, I'm hard to explain it now. I'm probably confusing myself, letting I know Like, it's just, what do people need to be doing to live the brand? That's probably a better question, I suppose.
1: So, I encourage people to think about touch points. Right. So but, imagine all the different ways that your brand and its products and its messages touch all your constituents. So your constituents are, of course, your your users, your customers, yeah. but they're also other people. You know, people who are potential customers or you know different. Products have different characteristics. I work a lot in healthcare, and so there's often the patient, but also the caregiver. So there's different constructs, but all the people in the ecosystem of that brand. And think about what all the different touch points are. So, you know, in the traditional media model, you know, years ago, you would have had, you know, your brand is communicating through television commercials, and maybe that was it. Well, of course, Mm -hmm. that is no longer. You've got millions of touch points all the time. And thinking about, you know, thinking mindfully about your messaging and your um, image, your visual language, um, the the choice, the tone of voice that you use, going through all of those things. And, you know, an easy rule of thumb is to say, uh, you know, and I think this works especially well in smaller companies, what are three key messages that we want to be communicating? and everything that we do over the next, let's say, quarter yeah, is gonna yeah. somehow ladder back to those three messages. And so just keeping the communication tight and clear um, is, a, is a really powerful step.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's, there again, I guess that's the role of the leadership is to actually facilitate uh, and set people up for success for those touch points, because if was just TV Behind the scenes, you throw great TV ads out, but behind the scenes, there's not, they're not so pleasant because there's no touch point. But now there's touch points everywhere. People have to be like a total 360 of behaviour, being totally aware of what's around them and point in time, because you never know when the touch point arrives, which then puts the pressure on leadership to be leading leading well, so employees are always behaving well because they're a reflection of the leadership. It's not just a um, ad hoc Let's behave today because we've got we, we've got the cameras on us. So I that's, think that's
1: absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. All all of that complexity and the proliferation of communication channels really requires strong top-down leadership. Yeah. Now you saying. can give people autonomy in terms of how they express themselves creatively, of course. Um, but that that top-down leadership to remind people this is the way this boat is sailing. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, get on board, uh, check in, and make sure we're all still sailing the same direction every so yeah. often. And reminding people, kind of, what are those key messages? What are our values? What do we stand yeah. for? And you know, hey, show me, show me a little bit. Uh, Give me some readouts of where we're where we are in those different channels, yeah, and yeah. and just checking in to see that everything is fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, on that note, we've come to the we've come to the time we need to need to uh, wrap up our podcast. So, if you, it, so, what I can gather, the main one of the main points you're saying is that it's the fact that branding is a, constitutes a lot of touch points people have to live the brand but, but, but keep re- reminding themselves of the three main, what's probably the word, the, th- the three main points for, in order for them to do that rather than have a thousand different ideas. What are the three key things we need to be doing every day in every way in order to live that brand?
1: Yeah, that- that's right. I think focus, alignment and leadership. Are all going to go a really long way to making that brand compelling,
0: compelling. And engaging, compelling and engaging. It's an energetic brand, compels and engages. So true. Well, look, thank you, Susan, for participating today and being a guest on their show. And you put more of a brand, well, a marketing perspective. And I, I'd just like to let people know listening. I'm, I'm seeing you visually, and behind, behind you. Some really nice art, so I can tell that you are very arty because I'm enjoying what I'm seeing behind you in your background. And it's thank not a Zoom you. background, not, it's not, Zoom.
1: not one of mine,
0: but <laughs> you can make a fortune on these these flashy Zoom backgrounds they have now. So, because that's a perfect one, okay? But so thank,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: thanks very much for being on our show today, and uh, thank you. And we will keep Susan's. Susan's links will be on the site under our notes part of the podcast, if anyone wants to connect with Susan. So thanks very much. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye.